0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany. Welcome, welcome, everyone. We are here today to talk about one of my favorite subjects. Well, you know, I love food. And with that food, you need a little wine. And I am so excited. It's taking me about nine months to get this gentleman and this woman on the show. And we are here with Stressed Vines with Rob Barney and Heather Cole. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi there. So good to see you. Oh my gosh, finally. I have been working with Allison Volk for for almost a year, seriously, talking about getting you guys over here. And of course, you know, COVID happens and it doesn't happen and it happens again. (laughs) So anyway, it's great to see you here in the studio today. And I am thrilled you have, if you can't see us here, everyone, I know you can't, but We have stressed vines, we have five wines in front of us, and we are going to do a tasting. I'm going to talk you through this, Rob and Heather are as well. We're going to do a tasting in the studio today and talk about all these fabulous wines. But Rob, tell us how you got started in the wine industry, and I hear through the grapevine, hello, (laughs) there it is, there it is, I hear through the grapevine, this is not your only industry.
1: Uh, No, I... Got into wine accidentally. I was uh, sitting actually in, at Heather's bar that she was pouring wine at uh, in a, at a place called Veritas in, uh, in Dallas, and I had an obviously unhappy look on my face because until 2014 I didn't like wine. Really? And yeah. you drink
2: enough of it, but you didn't. You didn't know <laughs> what you liked.
1: And it was because of that experience and, and Heather deciding that uh, she needed to help find what I would like that. Over a course of several months, we finally found that I liked um, vines that have been stressed. And um, from that point on, it became um, an obsession. And yeah, that's how it started. I was out in California in 2016, met the uh, person that is now my uh, my winemaker, and had a chance to work harvest with her for about three weeks. And at the end of that period of time... I was making wine with her.
0: is that amazing? I mean, you honestly, I hear this from so many people. I don't know what I like. I just get the prettiest label on the shelf or the one that says, "Hey, this is Bill's
2: pick." And maybe we don't care for that, right? Exactly. I, I actually got into the wine industry kind of by default. Um, I left another industry and ended up stalking Veritas until they gave me a job. Really? Um, I, they offered me Sunday nights. I was going to stay with it. Didn't matter. I got a discount in wine education and ended up moving into management and moving into working for a distributor and lived in France for a while and had a chance to really get a lot of really amazing exposure to different sides of the industry. And what I felt was lacking was education. And so when people like Rob would show up at my bar and they clearly weren't enjoying their wines, what I wanted to do was help them figure out what they loved because there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I mean, obviously, it clicks. And whenever it finally really makes sense what you like, it it does. It kind of becomes a little bit obsessive
0: An obsessive and a passion. Yeah. I mean, a, a true, true passion. I mean, a passion project because you were saying earlier, both of you were saying, that wine is, that is a, it's a tough industry financially,
1: right? It's a commitment. It's not something, the easiest thing to do is to um, make the wine. The hardest thing to do is to create a a product that is compelling for people to um, want to buy and is of a quality enough that people will continue to buy it. And that's been the Fun part of this journey, and it's been one of the blessings with um, having a, an amazing winemaker that's made a lot of that easy. I, I always joke that the hardest thing for me to do is to get the wine into somebody's glass. Once it's in the glass, it's it's a lot easier because the wine is— It's gorgeous. Very, yeah, it's very good.
2: It is. We have a really incredible winemaker. Um, we've been incredibly fortunate. Erica Stancliffe is brilliantly talented— um, and she and Rob have set down every vintage and talked about stylistically what they want things to look like and how they want things to turn out. And because of her knowledge of how wine works, she's able to kind of reverse engineer where we should be looking. So we've, we've managed to get access to incredible vineyards that have given us this end product that doesn't need manipulation, that Why? doesn't need a lot of tweaking. And as a result, we've got these beautiful wines that are representative of the places that they come from.
1: One of the things that, that, Eric and I agreed on very early, which is one of the things that was very compelling about working with her is her whole goal is to give voice to the vines and let the vineyard speak. And what is so cool about that is we don't have a set outcome other than to make a really good quality wine. But when you have the saying that we, she and I have had um, multiple times is when you start with good grapes, you can't help but make good wine. If you start with great grapes, you make very great wine. So, and that's one of the things that we've been very blessed is to be able to source and have access to some amazing vineyards so that, that we can make really great wine.
0: I have so many questions. I mean, this can go forever for sure, because this, this is, is such a one. I mean, it's <laughs> absolutely okay. <laughs> y'all. So much wine to drink. There's so much wine to drink. There's so much to talk about. So let me set the stage. You are the vintner. Yes. Um, uh, Rob is the venture and Heather, you are the brand manager, right? I mean, you've, you've done a lot. And so you guys met in 2014. Is that when it was? We've actually
1: it, known each other a lot longer than that. We've been friends for years. Um, years. And that's how I happened to to, to find myself in, in the wine bar that day. Um, but it's been a, from a collaboration point, when I decided I wanted to do this full time, at least full time as a as a project not just necessarily hey let's make some wine and see if my friends will drink it when I decide to make a business out of it they do um yeah it was one of those things where I turned to her she had worked in distribution she knew wine she had helped me on this journey and it's basically her fault that I started doing this You're welcome. and so she was a natural <laughs> right it, it was just a natural fit to have her uh, come on board because it it she knew the story because she was very much a part of the story
0: a part of the story and so those of you listening it's interesting because you were saying i don't know what i like i, I mean i might like this i mean heather knew what you liked before you knew what you liked right i mean i could tell what he didn't like okay. and i think that's
2: sometimes the best place to start if you take a sip of something or you anything in life if you find something you don't enjoy figure out why you don't like it mm-hmm. because if you know what you don't like you can work forward and figure out what you do like and when he was drinking big high alcohol fruit forward sugar bombs mm-hmm. that had a gorgeous name and lots of marketing and they put lots of money into that and they charged you for it beautifully. Yeah. It, it wasn't, it wasn't something he enjoyed. And as we found, you know, scaling back the alcohol, scaling back the, the fruit forwardness, finding balance, having acid run through the wine, having something that gives it a life and a, a different, I guess, I guess a, just a whole different flavor profile. And it, it works.
1: Well, the commonality that we found was that typically the vineyards that produced the wines and the winemakers that produced the wines that I fell in love with were typically either elevated fruit. So they came on the side of mountains where they had a higher, uh, a more difficult um, growing process. Um, so you've got a, a smaller quantity of higher quality fruit um, or they were dry farmed um, valley fruit. So, again, where they're not just sitting in a valley, being able to just be so lush and, and plump and happy. But rather, they the vines had to work a little bit harder to produce the, the the fruit, and there's a saying that 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 had had sort of become our our you know central piece of our our wine label, which is stress vines make better wine, and that's why I came up with the name of stress vines because those were the type of wines that I originally fell in love with, and so when we decided to do this. I sat down with Erica and I literally handed her some bottles of some of the wines that I wanted to do almost an homage to. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is oh, this is the Pinot that I fell in love with. Can you do something? I don't want it replicated. I want it honored. I want something that's stylistically mm-hmm. um, our own and unique and and unique to the vineyard that we're sourcing it from. But I wanted to do honor to this because this is what I love in a Pinot Noir. And this is what I want to, to make. And so she was so incredibly talented that she was able to, as Heather said, kind of reverse engineer that and just say, okay, this is going to be this type of growing region. We're going to need to get this type of clone on, on the grapes. We're going to need to do this type of production style. And at the end, we came out with a product that was uniquely ours, but still mm. um, honored those those wines that I originally fell in love with.
0: How fabulous is that? Now, Erica Stancliffe is your winemaker yes. in California. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, and my memory, It holds beware um (laughs) santa clara
1: no santa rosa
0: santa rosa is where your the winery is right so we
1: we we started out um in a in a couple different what they're called custom crushes which is a for lack of a better word a co-op winemaking facility where a lot of small uh wine labels will will use the same equipment um obviously not at the same time but it's it's so that they can not have to worry about the huge production costs that come with owning your own tanks, your own presses, your own sorting tables, your own um, what have you. It's so- really
2: the only way for a small winery to make any possible money. Really? And, it, I mean, if you think about it, the cost of all of the production materials you use once a year mm-hmm. and you have to put them somewhere. Real estate in California is mm. astronomical. And so you've got all of this major overhead. And because we're able to work with these custom crush facilities, they're, I mean, they're so well run and they've got these great staff that are already there and know what they're doing. You basically write them a recipe. Mm. Our winemaker goes and makes sure everything's going consistently. He goes through, I mean, Rob's there for every major step of the process. Right. He's there for every pick he's there for, you know, anytime anything's being bottled or, um, you know, anything, any major steps in his wine children's lives he's, he's there for. And it's kind of amazing to get to see, those, us, us be able to make something that we wouldn't have had the opportunity to make because we wouldn't have been able to afford the facility yeah,
1: we couldn't afford the facility the equipment the staff and so in this case these staffs are, are working for a bunch of other labels as well but they're they're following our instructions they're doing the punch downs they're doing the pump overs they're doing the things that that i just couldn't do at the volume we're, we're making let alone without the, the type of staff so uh, we've got two great facilities that we're uh um, we're working one, which is we're going to have a tasting room this fall out in uh, out in Sonoma County, which we're really excited about. Oh, wow.
0: That's right, because you have one in Richardson, correct? correct. Okay,
2: correct. Yes. And you do wine tastings there?
1: Yes.
0: Just like we're doing today. Yes. We do wine
2: tastings there. We do private events. We do wine tastings in homes. We do dinners. How great. It's so much fun. Oh, I'm
0: sure. I'm sure. And you have fabulous wine. Let's taste wine. Let's what are do we that. doing? Let's do it here. So, we have all these in front of us.
1: We'll start with the Chardonnay. And- This is something that, uh, stylistically from a, from a, and and this is a horrible phrase and, and, um, the guy that we just hired, David will probably, um, roll over in his grave when he hears this, um, or roll over (laughs) in his car, but, uh, you know, the one hopefully he does, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it's, it's a very, um, Burgundian style. So one of the things that, that Eric and I collaborated on was we wanted to have old world style with new world grapes. So everything is, is sort of made in a very traditional manner, um, french barrels um you know everything is is done very traditionally so this is a chardonnay that comes from this amazingly special area out in the um west sonoma coast area um farther on the north northern edge kind of um north and in a little bit from this area called fort ross View.
2: if you'll flip your top page over there there's a map oh
1: um, fabulous oh right y'all. where it says annapolis i'm gonna put um, this
2: on my story we're so prepared you
0: are prepared
1: <laughs> wow and again, this is something that's it's elevated. It's about uh, uh, 500 uh, feet above sea level, but it's about five miles inland. So it gets this great maritime influence. It gets this um, cooling during the mornings from the fog. And then during the day, it gets this great sun. And then again, in the evening, it cools off. So you get this, um, what's called a diurnal shift, which is what builds up the acid and also build, allows the sugars to, to become more prevalent. And it just is what makes great grapes. And if you have great grapes, that's the foundation for great wine.
0: Isn't that amazing? Okay, so the Chardonnay yep. that we're tasting now, smell, the aroma is
2: fabulous.
1: I'm going to let you sort of share with what you get off this uh, this wine.
2: I mean, she's holding the tasting
1: card. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> no, but my favorite thing about this is you get a lot of the, the beautiful aromas that you typically get out of a Chardonnay. You get a lot of the you know, stone fruits and orchard fruits. You get a little bit of like the, the kind of baked crust breadiness. But it's not overwhelming. It's, it does see barrel time. I mean, it's 10 months in barrel, 25, 25, 35 percent new French, um, which could be overwhelming. And it goes through a, what they call a malolactic uh, fermentation or malolactic mm-hmm. conversion, which typically can create really buttery flavor profiles. But the way that we approach it is to try to give it a, a creamier mouthfeel mm-hmm. and to avoid the, the kind of. Um, yeah, that, that face, the yeah. the mm-hmm. buttered popcorn. I mean, it's, it's a if very you have bright, too much oak and too much butter, you're you're covering up the grapes.
1: We we stir the the, the lees, which is which is essentially just some some dead yeast from the um, fermentation process, um, every couple of weeks till it doesn't need to be stirred anymore, and you're getting this really bright, crisp, um, acid-driven wine that also has the the butter sort of hint, if you will. There's mm-hmm. so there's a
2: nice yogurtiness. Yes. Um, I see the creme brulee on here. Yes,
1: yeah. That's exactly. And then that's the whole idea was to make something that was extremely um, uh, food friendly, something that was extremely enjoyable to drink that wasn't leaving you wanting to, you know, grab a, grab a, bottle of water afterwards but something that is just enjoyable and and, and light and, and 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 you know great to drink
0: tell me what we would uh, what we would serve with this what 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 food would we plate what would we put with this fabulousness
2: I'd be good with just a
0: glass but. right exactly <laughs>
2: yes um, these are this wine is absolutely beautiful with anything you know salad fruit um, fish right. Uh, chicken, charcuterie, charcuterie cheese. This is oh, beautiful right. with cheese, oh goat cheese, a fresh goat oh, cheese with this.
0: Are you joking? Gorgeous. Okay. I'm going to say this and I know you've heard this, so I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. So t- typically I don't like California Chardonnay. It's my
2: favorite thing that people know, say in I know, and I know, and
0: I feel like a goofball saying it, oh. but when I do find the Chardonnay that or someone will share with me and I will not say labels, but um, I'm just like, oh, it's so heavy on my tongue. It's um, buttery. Mm -hmm. And I love that this is bright and crisp. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I obviously the fragrance is just, I mean, immediately sets my taste buds on fire, but what, what's what, what's wrong with me?
1: Nothing. So everybody's Nothing. <laughs> every, everybody's got a different um, palate and what they enjoy. So that's the cool thing about wine that I realized on this journey is there's no wine that is wrong. It's just there are some wines that are not right for everybody. Mm-hmm. So in this particular case, I like you did not like that really sort of heavily manufactured, oaky butters, oaky, buttery, buttery sort flavor of profile, which is what everybody kind of uh, you know equates to California Chardonnays. So when I handed Erica the bottle that uh, that I had fallen in love with, which was a, a Rutherford uh, Chardonnay from a producer called Sullivan, it didn't have those um, characteristics. It was bright, it was crisp, and I told Eric, I said, "This is the type of Chardonnay." And she goes, "Good, because this is the type of Chardonnay I like to make," uh-huh. and she's incredibly talented. And as Eric, as, as Heather was saying, one of the coolest things that we like to do at tastings is we normally will get people to say, "You know what? Just I, you don't need to pour me a Chardonnay. I, I don't like Chardonnays." And yeah. Her answer has always been just amazing, which is there's a dump bucket right there. Try it. If you don't like it, dump pour it. it out. Dump it. And most people inevitably will go, "Okay, I guess I do like chardonnay." I guess and I, I need a couple of bottles of yes. this.
0: <laughs> I guess. I mean, this is delicious. Thank I mean, you. it really, y'all. I I really I'm, I explain myself in a nutshell because it's just too heavy and it gives me a headache. Is that chardonnay we're talking about?
2: High alcohol. It can be. It uh, can be. So a lot of times what you're looking at is things that are high alcohol, things that have additives. I mean, there's there's sugar added to it. There's sugar added to everything in this country. Ugh. There's sugar added to a lot of wines. Um except just knowing ours. except, except ours. Y- is that mm. it? Really? It's well, I mean, it's not across the board. You're there's you're, a lot of factors. It's really a
1: lot of it. If it's if it's a large mass-produced wine, typically you are not you're going to see less authenticity in the wine, I think, than you do in small production wines. People like me, uh, people like Erica, small production winers, and even some that are larger, but are still very, very focused on creating the best wine they possibly can, don't have a recipe to have the wine taste the same vintage after vintage after vintage, because we want to highlight the unique nature of each particular vintage. Well, it's agriculture. Yeah. It can't
2: taste the same every year because the sun was different, the mm-hmm. rain was different. The fog. Everything comes in differently but every single produce, day.
1: But a large, huge mass-produced winery will- They have a house private, style. They, exactly, a house style. And they want, it's like people know that they want to taste a certain taste every time they have that glass of wine. And so they'll build the wines accordingly. We don't have that necessary uh, goal in mind. We just want to produce the best wine we can from that particular vintage. Wow.
2: It feels like our approach is more like a, it, it's a time capsule. We take a very specific location in a very specific time and we bottle it. And at the end of the day, that bottle is never going to taste the same as the next year's bottle because it's a different location time. Wow. And it just can't be replicated. And if you are making them taste the same, there is some manipulation happening. There has to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How many bottles do you produce or cases?
1: Um, we uh, will produce just um, over 1200 cases this year. So from a, uh, production standpoint, we are really, really, really tiny. Um We started even smaller. <laughs> yeah, our, my first vintage in 17 was 135 cases. Wow. Um, With and four small. varietals. And really? I, and I was absolutely overwhelmed about how that was going to end up
2: Rob happening. expected to drink 134 cases
1: <laughs> of that. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like no one, if you're going to make t-shirts, I'm going to give them for Christmas for yep. everybody, all my yep. family and everything. But you sold it. You've sold it.
1: The, the, the uh, unbelievably cool blessing that, is, that has happened with this project. I, I've used the word frictionless a lot. It's, so many things have been frictionless about how things have happened. Uh, some friends of mine organized a tasting event at a house in uh, in the Park Cities, and we sold a bunch of wine. And it was such that I said, okay, I guess I'm going to be able to move this wine because people bought a bunch, they they liked it, and I'm pretty sure I can continue to move this. And so we sell out, all of our vintages sell out. We don't have a problem... Our bigger problem is making enough wine to satisfy the demands we have. Wow. So that's it's turned a,
2: into a chess game lately—tetris or yeah. tetris chess. It's it's insane. It's really? like okay, we've got this much wine and we have this much demand, and where do we place it, and how do we get it, and when do we get it shipped so that it's here before this runs out? Because, it, it, I mean, it's. It's it's really cool. It's, it's cool though, it's insane. Right? Yeah. It's insane, but it's so cool. How fun!
0: I wish you could see their faces. They're just they just <laughs> brighten and lighten when they're when they're when we're talking this wine.
2: I mean, we are drinking a little. Yeah, we are drinking a little bit of
0: wine. Right. Okay, okay. So what else of- you have for us, Rob?
1: Okay. So the next one is a Pinot Noir, and this is kind of where it all started for me. I had um, fallen in love with a, a Pinot Noir from a producer by the name of um, Fela. The winemaker is this incredibly talented guy by the name of Aaron Jordan, um, and I, when I was working with Erica and I saw all these different uh, vineyards come in, and I asked Erica, I said, do you guys own all these vineyards? And she patiently looked at me like I was a bit of a noob. And she said, no, we <laughs> buy fruit. And I'm like, you can buy fruit. And she's like, yes. And I said, well, typically what's the smallest quantity? She goes, well, it typically comes in a ton. I'm like, well, how many? How much is that? What does that <laughs> look like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, how many? How many you <laughs> Sounds know,
0: like a lot. Mm-hmm. Bottles
1: does that produce? And so we go through this this exercise and I said, look, I want to make some Pinot noir because we were, we were working mm-hmm. a, in a winery that she was the winemaker for that was a, um, a, a pre- predominantly Pinot and Chardonnay. And I said, I want to make a Pinot from this particular area. And she goes, well, I, I can get you some fruit there. So she was able to connect with with um, some people and get this fruit from this, this particular vineyard, which is in the same area that um, Aaron Jordan made his Fela Whistler Vineyard Pinot from. And so stylistically, it's uniquely ours, but from a... Uh, terroir standpoint, or or you know the environment, the 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 neighborhood, the the elevation, the soil content, all those are very similar. Um, that we came up with this this Pinot, and the thing that I love about it is again, it's it's from that Annapolis area, that that northern Sonoma coast, and it is a bigger Pinot Noir for people that don't necessarily like Pinots because a lot of people say, you know, they're a little lightweight. They're not quite as, as big as a a cab. This is a Pinot for cab lovers. It's It's, a
2: mountain Pinot. Yeah. High elevation, high elevation skins are going to be a little bit thicker. You get a little bit more color, a little more tannin, a little more flavor. It's, it, it's such an interesting Pinot Noir. Oh,
1: nice. So it's, it's something that that we sort of joke that it's a, a transitional Pinot. So for people that may not like Pinots, but like, Lighter weight cabs. This is a perfect sort of wine to step down into a to become a Pinot lover. On the upside, if you like Pinot but don't necessarily like. You know, full body cabs. This is a great transitional to get you hooked on uh, on lighter weight cabs, which we have next up as well. Mm -hmm.
0: And you know what? I did not read the tasting notes on this because I wanted to to to, I wanted to experience. And the first thing I thought, this is the acidic. I mean, it's kind of got a little acid to it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I love it. I just love it. Every one of
2: Erica's wine, she does a really brilliant job of capturing this like kind of acid vibrancy that runs through everything. It makes everything very bright. It makes everything very food friendly. Um, her family's uh, Italian and Mm -hmm. so everything is very food centric,
0: food centric.
2: And the idea of having a meal without wine is kind of insane. And the idea of having wine that doesn't pair with food as well as drinking it by itself is, Mm -hmm. it it just doesn't make sense. Right. And I, I really like that about it. It's beautiful just by itself, but I mean, Mm This can go, this can go with fish. It can go with chicken. It can go with steak. I've, I've served this with literally, this is my, this is my go-to wine for Swiss army knife of wine. wine. I don't know what to pull out. I know that I'm going to pull out one bottle for the table. Everybody's got something different or they've all got different flavor profiles. It typically fits some part of everybody's preferences and palate. Wow. And it's kind of nice. It also works really well when you have it in restaurants Mm -hmm. for the same reason. Yes. You're not going to have four bottles of wine for four people sitting exactly. at a table with four different meals. And so it's really wonderful that we have so many, I mean this and the next Cabernet in particular are very multifaceted in their flavor profiles and they pair really well with a lot of different food.
1: And this is the thing that, that I am so grateful for having Erica as a, as a collaborating winemaker is that she is so talented. So um, there are in the Valley what I kind of call celebrity um, winemakers, people Mm -hmm. like Philippe Melka, Thomas Rivers Brown, that go around and make wine for uh, some other different clients. And and they are, you can almost count on the fact that those wines are going to be good um, because they're going to be made by someone that's got a reputation of making good wine. Erica is in her early 30s right now, and there's not a doubt in my mind that in the same breath she'll be mentioned as those gentlemen and all these other amazing winemakers because she is making this great of wine at this age, mm, yeah, it's just going to get better, yeah. and I feel so incredibly blessed that that she and I are collaborating together on these because this journey is just going to get more exciting.
0: I mean, this—I mean, this is exciting. I read in your on your website too that your dream, Rob, was to own a vineyard. That was like what you thought until you found out from from. Other people in the industry, you could buy the fruit, just like you said. I mean, but that's what everyone thinks. I, y'all are probably too young, but Falcon Crest. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm. <laughs> I aged myself here on CVS back at, when I was in high school. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have
1: a vineyard someday.
0: <laughs> that's what I want to do. It's so glamorous.
1: Absolutely. it's um, Sounds
0: like it. Sounds like it. Not but always that, is, though. No.
1: And, and one of the great things about buying fruit as opposed to necessarily I mean I would love to own a vineyard, don't get me wrong, but in the reality, that's really not likely in California just because of the cost of real estate and the cost of all that. But I get the best parts of that is that I get to buy amazing fruit from the top vineyards that are incredibly well taken care of, incredibly well managed. I don't have to worry about things like um an early frost or hail fire. or fire or anything. I just get the fruit when it's in the best condition that it possibly can get. I just actually picked up a new vineyard up in Howell Mountain, which is this amazing special area that overlooks uh, the Napa Valley, and we're going to be able to to do some tastings up in the vines. And those sort of things are what make a tasting experience so special. Mm-hmm. And I get to do this without having to go through the uh, enormous expense and stress of actually owning the vines myself. So mm-hmm. he still
2: I, gets to eat and
0: have access to the vineyard exactly exactly i mean that is just fascinating i mean anyone could do this if they have the passion right yeah and i'm gonna go back to you you i think it's you you really weren't sure about what you liked maybe i mean it was just like you you were wandering aimlessly and i know that because i hear it
1: from people i did not like wine i mean literally did not enjoy wine i mean i would have really know the difference of whether it was a Bartles and James wine cooler or, or, you know, something else because I, wow. did, I yeah. didn't know it there. <laughs> and more importantly, I didn't care wow. because I just didn't like, when we go out to a nice dinner, you know, I'm like, okay, well, they're drinking this, so I might as well drink this as well because I didn't have an idea. Mm-hmm. Once this, this slippery slope happened um, and and Heather helped me find my palate, I had 13 different wine clubs. 13.
2: I, he had 13 13 wine clubs? Wine clubs?
1: And it was not all the wines I liked in retrospect, but I had a great experience. I liked the wines. It was sure. just I wanted to memorialize that that slice in time and so I joined the wine club. But I had all this great wine i I've, I've narrowed it down to to three solid wines that I will continue to always buy because I not only love the wines but I love the people that that are involved with them but yeah it I went crazy and then said oh, i'll do this when I retire and then Sure enough, 16. Now
2: you'll never retire. And
1: now I'll never retire because I'm making wine. You're not retiring. <laughs> You're not going anywhere.
0: <laughs> You're not going anywhere. Well, this is Job delicious. Security. I know. The Pinot Noir. Okay. What do we have next?
1: Well, the next is the um, Alexander Valley Cab. And this was a, the best accident, I think, that could have happened for me.
0: Ah, I love accidents.
1: So in 16, and and when at the end of Harvest, when Eric and I were trying to collaborate on what we wanted to do in, in 17... Um, I wanted to do a Hollow Mountain Cab. Well, I couldn't find the fruit because it's very hard to find. Um, It's very sought after. Um, But a good friend of mine um, who's become even a better friend of mine over the years um, owns a vineyard in Alexander Valley, a guy by the name of Joe Reynoso. And he at the time was selling a lot of his, uh, his grapes to Silver Oak. And he's got his own wine label. And we were talking and he goes, well, I can get you some Alexander Valley Cab. I'm like, talk to Eric. And she goes, oh, I've always wanted to make a Sonoma Cab. I think that'd just be amazing. Let's go and do that, and we did, and it was a great hit. Everybody really liked it. It became one of our favorites, and since that time, it's now part of our standard. This is what we're going to make every year. We're always going to make, and so this is a lighter than a Napa cab. Um, one of the, it's a little more elegant. And I think one of the blessings I have is of, of having Erica as a winemaker is as a incredibly talented female winemaker. She doesn't need to feel the need to punch you through the uh, teeth with fruit. Mm-hmm. What she does is is just very elegant. It's very nuanced. It's very integrated. And it's just, I think, amazing um, how this this uh, cab came out.
0: Well, it is, I mean, lovely. I mean, so we going, with, we, people that cannot see this, but we they're listening to us. We started out Chardonnay, went fiend in a wash. So we're going lighter. Today. Lighter to yes.
1: you, it, It's easier because your palate gets a little... Um, Fatigued. Thank you. Good word for it. And by the end, if if you're trying to go backwards, um, you won't enjoy the lighter style wines or the Chardonnay, the whites as much because you've already been.
2: The nuance is lost a little bit yeah. between the palate being, I mean, you've got heavier wines and tannins, but it's also, I mean, alcohol deadens your palate. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to move through wines into a, sli- I like that face. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> It's so good. So we always talk about how the Pinot is our Pinot for Cab drinkers. This is our Cab for Pinot drinkers. Oh it's, it's got a lot of the really beautiful red fruit flavor that you get out of a lot of Cabernet, but it doesn't have the super heavy tannin. And it's it's I mean, it, it's the only thing that really makes sense in Texas to sit on the patio in August in 145 degree mm-hmm. weather and drink red wine is to have something that's a little bit lighter bodied.
0: Oh my gosh. I love your description. The wine is inky in color. And I was looking at it. I picked it up and looked at this. It's a beautiful color. Black currants, orange wine, warm pie crust, people. There it
2: is. Not cold pie
0: crust. No. It's got to be warm. Heavens no. Uh-uh. This isn't Mrs. Bears. <laughs> <laughs> no. Remember? You remember? Oh, yeah, 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 Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. Golly, I'm aging myself a lot here. Yeah, this is delicious. <laughs> I you. mean, so you have wines from Sonoma mm-hmm. and we have wines from Alexander Valley. So you select those because the, the fruit is from that area?
1: Yeah. To so we, help we, us out here. <laughs> so the Alexander Valley, as I said, was kind of an accident until I realized how great this area was. Um, but we stylistically are looking for um, vineyards that are the best representation of their specific areas or specific yes. regions. And we have a bunch from Sonoma because that's originally where we got our start. Uh, but the next two wines are um, Howl Mountain Caps. So this is this area that's defined by being um, uh, elevated in, uh, in this, on this mountain overlooking uh, Napa Valley. And they are, I think, probably some of the most sought after wines, not only in our portfolio, but also in general. People, when they hear Howl Mountain Wines, they're pretty much sure that they're going to have a really great um, tasting mm-hmm. experience because the wines up there are, and the grapes that are, are, are used to make the wines are just spectacular.
2: There's something about mountain fruit that's just, it's very, it, it's mountain fruit. Yeah. It You can typically tell the characteristics of mountain fruit are always going to be kind of the same. And if you like mountain fruit, you typically like most mountain fruit.
1: The three and, different wine clubs I have are all yeah. mountain fruit driven um, wineries. It's Fela, which is where <laughs> I got the inspiration for the uh, Pinot Noir. <laughs> It's um, O'Shaughnessy, which is up on Howell Mountain, which was the first Howell Mountain I ever fell in love with. And then uh, Cayman, which is on Moon Mountain, which, which we made our first Moon Mountain cab um, in uh, uh, previous vintages. And those have such a special um, place in my heart that I wanted to share those with people as well, saying, hey, this is what is so cool about mountain fruit. And having that, that ability to do that has just been amazing.
0: Can you believe where you are right now? No, I mean, (laughs) seriously, I see it in your face.
1: No, it's it's an amazing blessing. And again, the ability that has been very frictionless to get here, it hasn't been without trials or tribulations or stress or any of that, but it's been extremely frictionless how the support I've had from friends, the support I've had from um, industry, the support I've had from family, restaurants, all these things. It's just, it's almost like everything sort of conspired to make this happen. And I'm trying to to not ever lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time continue to to take the blessings that are given to me and and try to run with them and, and grow the business.
0: Gratitude. Oh my gosh. And Heather, can you believe where you are? I mean, because you got this guy, I mean, hooked on.
2: It 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 is <laughs> I mean, seriously. It's we literally we have a weekly meeting and it is at least one time during the meeting, there's a moment where everybody just kind of looks around and it's like, how how did we go from one hundred and thirty five <laughs> cases with <laughs> me doing some random part time helping out in the field because he did not need a full time employee? No. And now for the last six months, I'm like, please, please hire please. someone else. Please, Isn't please.
0: Fabulous. I need a
2: friend. And it's <sighs> and, and we just keep growing. And it's it's very organic. It's been really interesting because most of the time, particularly with wineries, I think it's really, I mean, it is in any industry, I guess, but especially in wine, it's very hard to figure out where you're going to grow and at what pace. Mm-hmm. And we've really managed to pretty consistently keep up with the demand for wine with the production that we're able to, to follow it up with. And we keep finding, you know, little, little bits here and there who are like, Oh crap, we need more Pino.
1: One, yeah. one of my mentors <laughs> in this who's a, uh, an amazing has an amazing vineyard up on Moon Mountain has told me repeatedly. He says, "Don't make too much wine. Let the demand drive your production, mm-hmm. because the worst problem is to make too much wine and figure out then having to worry about how you're going to sell it." And and I've tried to do that. And, and Heather and the rest of the team have been very good about reining me in when I'm like, "Hey, I can go make some more." Oh my god! And he's like, like, "I've
2: got access to him. Like, stop yeah. talking. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> but, but no." <laughs> but then at the same time, we have found that we're just right on the edge of having enough. And it's it's been it's been great.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you said when you came in the studio today, making wine is easy, it's hard to sell it. Is that still true?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're blessed that we make incredibly good wine and that that our winemaker is so talented that literally the hardest part for us is to get it into the glass. Once it's in the glass, all the heavy lifting is done because typically people will say, yeah, I want some of this. Um, but- it easy it is, a, it is very easy to make wine. I mean, from the standpoint of there's not a lot of obstacles that can't be overcome with, with enough capital and with enough effort. Selling wine is really a subjective thing. You've got to find people that want to buy the wine mm-hmm. you've made. Mm-hmm. We didn't put the, the cute sound. frog
2: on the bottle, so mm-hmm. it's,
0: you know, you yeah. sell it. Man, I tell you, in Fort Worth, that's that's all you need. How did you choose your labels?
1: Um, so, I was
2: just about to show and you I'm that. Gonna, I we're going
0: to pour the next one, but I've, I'm dying to know about labels because— I'm a sucker for labels. Good grief, and it's sucky-ass so wine. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we can be a sucker for this label, and it's great wine. It is.
1: So folks can't see this, but from a, from a label standpoint, I wanted to sort of incorporate a few elements on labels that I liked. One, we're very small production, so we wanted to have every bottle numbered. Um, I <laughs> like the fact that um, this is almost a work of art, so every label is signed. Uh, if you look at the top, it kind of looks like a torn— piece of paper, mm-hmm. it is actually representative of this photograph, which unfortunately people can't see, but when I was driving down the East Side Road, when I was working um, my first harvest with my own label, um, I'd come down from Healdsburg, drive along the East Side Road, headed to um, Sebastopol, and I would see these, these hills that were unusually different shades of gray as they left, it, uh, they, they were further away from in the distance. And I'm like, there's no way people will actually believe this exists, but it always felt like wine country to me. Mm-hmm. So I wanted that incorporated into the label. Um, the logo we developed. This is, was the first sort of artistic foray for me into something creative. Is I worked with some amazing um, develop, um, artists on this this project, and we came up with something that I think is just. Amazing. It gave us everything we wanted and I couldn't be happy with the label.
0: So this label is beautiful. It talks about, it, it shows the mountains that you, that you, the gray mountains, the different shades of gray, um, your stressed vines. I just was looking at the graphic on this and you all, we're going to show this on, on our feed, but, um, it has the location And this one is the Howell Mountain, Napa Valley. And then bottled on the day it was born or Mm -hmm. the day it was bottled. Um, And then you, again, you, I love that this is, this I'm holding is number, bottle number 981 of 1679. I mean, this is just a lot of thought put into this. Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't, but it's a lot of thought. I mean, and it has the Cabernet, the 2019 on it and stressed vines make better wine.
2: We really wanted something that was, something that people could understand when they look at it. This yes. This gives you all of the important information. If you want to geek out about it more, there's a little more on the back. There's more on the website. But at the end of the day, the general consumer doesn't need to know what bricks level it was picked at. Right. But they do want to know enough detail about it. You know, this gives you how much was made. Yeah. This tells you when it was made. This tells you, you know, generally just enough information to to tell you whether or not you may or may not like the bottle.
0: Exactly. And it tells a story. It does. It does tell a story. And that's really the idea.
2: Yeah. This whole thing has been about telling a story and building relationships. Mm -hmm. All of the contacts that we made in our, our former lives have turned into, you know, connections that have put us in placements that have Mm -hmm. gotten us into people's homes that have, you know, it it, it has been relationship building Mm -hmm. and it's, Rob gives me a hard time talking about sales. It's like, I, I hate sales. And you're like, you're, you're not selling your relationship building. And it's totally true. Yeah. I don't need to sell anyone on this. Either you love it or you don't. Yeah. You know, sales. And most I'm, people love it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, I do definitely. Um, but you know, sales to me, it's, it's a little harsh. It's a little, it's a little you know, aggressive because I'm not a salesperson, but, Same. but building relationships is of course, I mean, in what a better way.
1: I've been in sales my entire life. And I think the difference is sales should not be what you explain to it. It should not be aggressive. It should not be painful. Literally, it's giving someone a piece of information that you're very passionate about and that you believe. And that's up to them whether or not they make the next step about enjoying it, purchasing it, what have you. It shouldn't be an uncomfortable experience. And that's we're very blessed with what we're doing is that a wine is fun. Most people like it. Mm-hmm. And it's a great product, so I don't have a problem putting it in someone's glass. If they want to buy some, fantastic. If they don't, that's okay, too. So it's a yeah.
2: kind of like our first encounters with finding your palate. It's, it's identifying other people's needs. Yeah. So yes. what is it you are looking for? What is it you have not found? And how do we help you connect with that? And if it's our wine, great. If it's not our wine, we can tell you why, and then you can find what you love. Okay, what do we have here that I'm holding in my hand?
1: So this is the. This is your uh, new first love. <laughs> <laughs> new first love. And and I'm sorry. Um, no, this is our 2019 Hell Mountain Cab. This is um, the second uh, vintage of the wine I always wanted to make, which was a Hell Mountain Cab, and this was done again as an homage to um, what uh, uh, Sean Capio of o- O'Shaughnessy was building. Um, that was the first cab that I ever fell in love with. And it's interesting because it's a Napa cab, but because it's from Howell Mountain, you're getting a smaller quantity of higher quality grapes. Again, that's stressed vines, and those um, are making you know better grapes and better wines. And what we're finding as well is it's a lot more integrated. It's a lot more subtle. The, the acids are not as in your face. The fruit is not as in your face. The tannins it's are not. balanced. It, everything is, great word, balanced. It's integrated. So this is a typical... Napa Cab, but this is also a very typical Howell Mountain Cab. And I did not like a Napa Valley Cab, but after drinking this and after finding my palate and drinking, you know, Howl Mountain Cabs, I could appreciate mm-hmm. what was going on in the Valley. Just not really my jam. This is completely my jam. Wow.
0: This is great. Obviously, a he- little heavier than yep. we're just Absolutely. building on the palate here. I love this. So Howell Mountain, everyone. He it is spelled H O W E L L Mountain, not hell. No, not hell Mountain. Could
1: be. (laughs) No, and it's (laughs) depends on the vintage. It it's defined by elevation. It has to be a certain um, uh, uh, elevation up above sea level. Um, It's an incredibly cool um, area and site. the The group that helps support the growers and the vintners up in there is an amazing group. We've had some amazing tastings because of of that group. In fact, we're headed to to Chicago to do something uh, next week with this with this uh, uh, trade group. But it's such a special area up there. And we just, as I mentioned earlier, we just signed a, a a long-term lease with a new vineyard up there. Well, it's not a new vineyard, but a new vineyard to the people new that just us. bought it. New to <laughs> us. And we're so excited because it allows us to, A, increase our production of Howl Mountain fruit and Howl Mountain wines, but it also gives us a level of consistency that that we're going to be able to do this for, for a number mm-hmm. of years. And we're just incredibly excited about them.
2: So can I, Oh, go ahead. Heather. I was just saying everything we make is single vineyard and single varietal. And so the fact that we now have a larger vineyard that we can pull from, that's hundred percent Cabernet coming from 100% of this whole vineyard. It, it really does give us an opportunity to create particularly year after year, uh, these time capsules. So you get to see mm. what one vintage oh. to the next vintage to the next vintage and really kind of start understanding what that, property is going to do year after year after year.
0: Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Which Fabulous.
2: your next wine, mm-hmm. you, you really should try these side by side. That's so, what I was going to ask if I could do. Yeah. Yes. So
1: the, the next wine, although they are different in vintages, they come from the exact same vineyard and they're the exact same barrels. The only difference between them, um, between the 18 um, and the 19 is literally the 18 spent 12 months more in barrel. mmm Really? Yeah. So it's a little smoother. It's a little softer. It's probably got a little more hint of... of, uh, of, Some of
2: the red fruit turns black. So you've got more black cherry. You've got some plum. Um, It just softens it a little bit, deepens the flavor profiles, gives you a little bit kind of Mm -hmm. like a a leathery, earthy, dark chocolate note. It's it's really interesting to see what an extra extra 12 months in barrel can do to... The exact same grapes.
0: I was going to ask you from even from the Chardonnay, and I've lost my train of thought. But um, are these wood?
1: Yeah. So wood yes. barrel. Yes. So everything. all the, all the wines are produced um and and done in barrels. So okay. the difference is the percentage of oak and the type of oak and the manufacturer, the cooper of the barrels. So everything is is barrel aged because stylistically that's what we we want. Um, this, the last wine that we've, we've just had is our reserve wine. Um, it's something that we we created to do something special for our, our wine club members. And it's something that is not available retail except through us. It's something that's not available in restaurants, no matter how much they've asked. It's something that's just uniquely special to, to the people that have helped us grow our business. And it's something that we enjoy. So we do one of these every year, whether it be a, a cab. This year we're going to be releasing a, a Pinot Noir. Um, So this is just, I could not be happier with this. And and, and honestly, I have to give the inspiration again to um, a wine that I tried at a wine club party at O'Shaughnessy. Uh, Sean Capu had done a 36-month barrel-aged Mount Veeder in a Howell Mountain Cab, and I just thought that was the most amazing thing ever. So I said, one day I'll do this. And that one day was uh, last year.
0: Well, you know what? Um, What I love hearing, and I have been, uh, several of my friends are winemakers and own vineyards and... But it didn't hit me until I'm sitting here watching your face, both of you, that how incredibly special this is, but that you have an inspiration, like you have an inspiration bottle that you yep. said, okay, I want to make that, I want to honor that. Was that the word you yeah, used? Do it? No I much, love right. that. Give it, oh, I love that. And that's, I I'm, I really haven't heard that before.
1: One of the cool things about this experience for me is that literally, especially out in the valleys, they don't look at each other as competitors. It's really rising tides, raise all boats and everybody wants to help anybody else. The first year I was out there, I remember I got a phone call from a friend of mine here in Dallas. who said, Hey, a buddy of mine's at this winery. They're getting rid of a bunch of barrel racks. If you can take your truck over there, you can take all you want. Um, I was able to hook up with a, 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 the, the seller master of of where Heather was working that vintage and uh, get a bunch of one shoes barrels that I needed. It's, there's never been anything other than people trying to help everybody else succeed. And that's lovely. like no other industry yeah. I've ever been a part of.
0: That is so lovely because that's not the norm. No. 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 I mean, everyone's helped each other. So amazing.
1: It is. And and this is why I can count our friends of mine that are, that are people that I once um, just w- looked up to and thought, wow, I'd, I'd love to meet these guys. And then having met them, they're incredibly down to earth. I mean, at the end of the day, as Heather said, this is agriculture. Mm. And people that are involved in agriculture are typically really good down-to-the-earth people.
0: Absolutely. Farmers and ranchers. Yep. And exactly. absolutely. Isn't that great?
1: I it love is. It truly is.
0: Do y'all have a favorite of the of the bottles that you... Or can you... That's cheating well, it's, on it's each like, other. Which one's like, in my glass?
1: <laughs> it, it's really kind of like, which is your favorite child? I, I don't know if don't I... Don't
2: lie. There's always a favorite child. <laughs> yes.
1: So, interesting enough, I, I can only... Pull a favorite by varietal mm-hmm. because I like everything uniquely because of what they are. The Chardonnay uh, there was is, um, is is just incredibly special. Uh, there was one particular vintage we got one year that we're going to get again that would probably have been my favorite just because of how incredible that first year was. Um, I cannot can't pick my favorite Mm-mm. cab because they're both so incredibly different and both absolutely amazing. So no, I don't think I have a favorite other than I think Heather's put whatever's in my glass
0: right.
2: I, I always think I pour a glass of Chardonnay and I'm like, oh, we try the, we have some library wines that we pull out periodically just to see how they're doing and keep them for, you know, wine dinners and private events so mm-hmm. we can do verticals. And we were trying some of the 17 mm. in Dindoli the other day and it's like, holy shit, that's
1: good. It's good. David, and, the guy that we just hired had tried one of our other ones and he was really, really a fan of him. He goes, I don't know, you know, this is going to be the biggest thing we've got. And I'm like, okay. And then he tried the 17 he goes, oh,
2: Oh,
0: oh my shit. God, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. Oh, uh-huh. no. I mean, it is amazing. And so I, here today, have a favorite, but I, I have two. Okay. Okay, I have two, but I love all y'all. It's all great. But I am shocked at the Chardonnay okay. because of what I told y'all earlier. Divulge. And then the Pinot Noir is lovely. Yeah. I mean, because I like to sit outside on, in August at 115 degrees and have a glass of wine right and it's so lovely texas we all do it you know what i mean it's just so lovely
1: i mean it's great well the interesting too about the chardonnay i don't know if you realize this but you were drinking something that was not chilled yes and a lot of people serve their chardonnays really chilled a lot of it you it hides the false it hides what's wrong with it we like to serve ours at room temperature or just slightly because it's we cellar think, temperature. Yeah. We
2: pull it out of the the wine, our our wine warehouse is cellar temperature and it doesn't need to be cold.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's that's the cool thing about all the wines that, that Erica has has made is that everything is drinkable out of the bottle, out of the cork. So these will, these things will sit for 10, 15, 20 years, the, the, the cabs, but it doesn't need to, to be good. It mm-hmm. can it can literally be opened up and poured into a glass.
0: Mm-mm. I have so much more to ask you guys. I have so much. Will you come back for part two? Absolutely. I would love to. I mean, this
2: is... We're bottling some more wine at the end of May. I feel like we we need a release party. I mean,
0: yes, absolutely. I mean, this is so... I mean, it's fascinating for people that don't know. And I mean, y'all, look at Rob. I mean, Heather showed him the
1: way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For sure, there are sometimes I thank her and there's sometimes I curse her, but this has really been well, the most yeah. amazing journey.
0: Yeah, what a of. great relationship, right? Absolutely. How can we find you guys? I mean, people are now going to want to know where your wine. Where can we find you? There's so many great restaurants, and if you go to your website, um, and we'll share the website, but so many places to get. But where can we get the wine?
1: So um, obviously, she said it's available direct from us at stressedvines.com uh, because we're local. We can deliver wine 12 months out of the year, which is kind of cool to be a California winery with with Texas roots and be local. That we can deliver 12 yes. months out of the year, and we have it available in our in our taste room in our warehouse. Um, but it's also available at Dallas Fine Wines and Spirits. It's available at Veritas, where we actually are doing an event tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's av- available at uh, Corner Wines up in Plano, which we're doing an event next week. Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, it Celebrate is,
2: getting your taxes done. There Yay. You go.
1: Um, it is going to be available some more places over here in uh, the Fort Worth area because yes. we've hired a guy that that knows this area that's going to, um, one of his jobs is to give us a better um, footprint over here. It's also available in some great restaurants like albernais both uh, north and south. Um, it's available in at Trova. It's available, as we said, at Veritas. It's available Knife, at Billy Knight. Can
2: Can, wow. um, Sue's. Nick and Sam's. Nick and Sam's. So many. We're We're
1: very blessed. That we have had some people that have gotten behind us and and, and are, are sharing our wines with their patrons, so we're very blessed.
0: Well, congratulations Thank to you. you both.
2: Thank and you. And growth
0: is good. And events. I hear you talking about all these events.
2: Yes. So we, yeah, we we um, we love doing private events, private tastings in your homes, private dinners. Um, we do wine wine dinners at restaurants. It's It's a really great opportunity. I mean, again, building relationships.
0: Absolutely.
2: Please show up by all the wine you want and just leave. That's cool, I guess. But like, I'd rather know who you are. I want to know what you like. I want to know how you feel about it. Like try them side by side and tell me your thoughts because- at the end of the day, what, what's the point of it without some kind of connection?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you both
1: so, so much for, much us on. for being on.
0: I just Thanks learned for so us. much
2: and, and sharing this with
0: my audience, your audience and followers. And it's just great to have you here.
1: Well, we very much thank appreciate you. it.
0: Absolutely. So everyone, hey, what'd you think about this today? Go over there and rate and review and tell us what you want to hear. We're trying to get up in that Apple, Spotify world. And everyone, drink good wine, eat good food and keep being fabulous.